Thank you for listening to this message from Lifehouse Church. Good morning, Lifehouse. And then come on, turn to somebody right now, say something encouraging. Tell somebody beside you, you look pretty good for a Sunday. Come on, tell them right now. You look pretty good for a Sunday. Say it like you mean it, too. Come on, say it like you mean it. It is good to have you if you're listening uh, online uh, in, in one of the areas around somewhere. Actually, you can listen, I guess, across the globe these days. But it's good to have you if you're listening online and if you're in the house this morning. And I just really wanted to take a moment um, to recognize two young ladies, um, Addison Woodruff and Ashley Heller. Where's that? Ashley, I know, is here. Uh, I don't think Addison is. But um, they both went this week from LifeHouse to compete at International Teen Talent. And that's a big deal. Uh, you may or may not know anything about International Teen Talent, but you have to go through Pennsylvania Teen Talent first, and you have to get superior scores uh, here in Pennsylvania. And then you get to go compete at an international level. And it's really just people coming together, young people coming together and really sharing the gifts that God's given them in all kind of different areas in the arts. And um, both of these young ladies went and competed this week. And Ashley won. Uh, she placed twice, which is almost unheard of. Uh, she got first place in, um, hopefully I get this right, raw photography. Did I get that correct? She gave me the nod. Okay, raw photography. And then strings boat, she took second place. And that is incredible. And both of them did an amazing job down there. Would you just give them a hand? Yeah. We are gifted, uh, we are blessed here to have young people who are gifted and talented. And what makes my heart proud the most is that they use their abilities for the Lord. Um, they could be using their abilities anywhere else, and they serve God with what they have and what they do. So it's incredible, it's amazing, and um, thank you. Uh, if you see Ashley, just give her a hug and give her a high five and tell her amazing job. And I know there's some proud parents back there sitting right beside her. They're giggling and smiling all the way. Um, incredible, and it's amazing. But hey, last week, um, I did my best to drive home a particular idea or point, and I don't do this often, but I'm going to preach the second part of a message that I started last week. And last week, um, the big idea, the, the point I tried to drive home is that we will only worship God if we have a right appraisal of God, all right? We will only worship God if we have a right appraisal of God. I will only worship God if my value of God is in the right place, if it's on the right level. I will only worship God if I only truly understand his net worth, right? I will only worship God if I put the right number on God's worth personally. Now, that might sound a little strange to you. It might almost even sound a little unholy to you. Uh, you know, it might sound a little odd, putting a number on God's worth for you personally. But I'm here to tell you, if you stay with me and you let me walk you down through scripture, you're going to find out that if you put the right number on God's worth, you will worship him. And this is incredibly important because people miss this all the time. People don't engage in worship because their appraisal of God is all off. It's not in the right place. And they might show up to a worship service like this one. They might engage in some religious activity along the way. They might even ask God, right? They might go in prayer and ask God for something because we do that. We pray and we ask God for something. But if our appraisal of God is messed up, we will not worship God. 
We won't. And there are a few determining factors that help us appraise something or almost anything properly, right? If you're going to appraise something, how many of you have ever had an appraisal? I asked this last week. Did you ever have anything appraised? Did you ever appraise something yourself? Okay. You just looked at yourself and appraised it. If you've ever appraised anything, there's a couple things that you're going to check into and you're going to probably use or you should use to appraise properly. And one is quality. Say quality. Come on, preach with me. That's awesome. Okay, quality. What is something made of? Uh, you know, what is it made up of? If it, is it made out of gold or is it made out of paper? How many know if I get my wife a new ring and it's pure gold, right? How many know the appraisal is a lot higher? Yeah, she's like, praise the Lord. Okay, this is just an example, an illustration, honey. Okay. <laughs> But if I got her a ring of pure gold, especially if it was a big old diamond stacked on top of that thing, right? If I got her a ring of pure gold and gave it to her, that would have a different appraisal value in her eyes if, if instead of me wrapping up a, a, a paper straw, right? How many of you ever take the paper off a straw and wrap it up and wrap it around your finger? I know, that sounds very cute, right? <laughs> but not near as nice as a gold ring with a big old diamond stuck on top of it. Your appraisal would be different because of the quality. If your house is built out of wood and stone, it has a different appraisal quality than if it's made out of straw and mud, right? It's going to be an appraisal. It's going to be different. So if you're going to get an accurate appraisal of something, you got to understand what the quality is. The second thing you have to understand is what benefit it is to you. It, it, what kind of benefit is, is this going to bring to me? Um, you know, as you're thinking about things that can bring benefit to you, how many know some automobiles that you buy get you from point A to point B, right? How many, so, how many of you ever had an automobile that got you from point A to point B barely, right? I call it the barely do that automobile. Anybody ever have that? When we first got married, we had barely do that cars all the time, right? You didn't know. If you got in, you didn't know if they were going to start. You didn't know if you were going to get to where you were going. As a matter of fact, we used to do this for real. When we went on a vacation with the, the barely do it kind of cars that we had, we put the title in the glove box because it wasn't worth towing if it broke down. We just called the junk man, come and get it. All right, pick it up, title's in the glove box. Get the thing and go, right? So there, there's got to be benefit. And, and an appraisal of a car will be different based on, you know, what the car will do. If it barely gets you there, it's going to have one appraisal value. If it's got GPS, a sunroof, right, sort, sports suspension, right, so you can take the curves confidently. Notice I didn't say fast, okay, confidently. You know, if it's got air-conditioned seats to keep your backside nice and cool. Some of you are like, yeah, all right. We don't have those, but I hear they're great. All right. So if you have that nice plush, you know, cushy and, and it, in the dead of summer keeps you nice and cool, there's a different, right? You're going to appraise that thing different. That's going to have a different value to you. So that's number two, benefit. Number three is demand. There's, the, demand plays a part in appraising anything. The greater the love for something, the higher the appraisal value. It really is true. If you don't believe this, go to an auction sometime and watch when two people fall in love with whatever's on the stage getting auctioned off, right? They're back there. How many of you ever go to an auction and people pray for more than the, the things actually goes for new, right? They're like, oh, oh, you know, they got their little number on there and the auctioneer's going, and they just get, there's two people, they love it. They just keep going. Boom, boom, right? Their appraisal of that thing's going higher. And everybody's going, you're nuts. You're crazy. They're on their minds, right? And they're going, wham. It's demand. What you love. So to get an accurate appraisal of anything, you got to understand the quality. You got to understand the benefits. You got to understand the demand for it. We place value on Jesus in our lives. And it depends on our personal appraisal of Jesus. 
If, uh, it depends if Jesus is gold or paper in your life, right? The quality. It, it depends on if you understand the benefits that come along with being in Christ. It depends on the level, right? The demand, the level of love for God for you, if you understand that, and your love for him. All these factors play a role in your appraisal of Jesus, and that will be, um, that'll gauge your worship. If we see Jesus as Messiah, as Savior, as Lord, as King of Kings, right, we worship. But if I don't believe that, I might just simply admire him a bit. If we believe that he's Emmanuel, God with us, right, uh, God incarnate uh, among us, that he came and dwelt among us, and he's among us through the Holy Spirit. I'll worship him. But if I don't believe that, if I, I just chalk it up that he's another God, you know, small g kind of thing. I might just consider him a prophet or a teacher or some religious figure that did some nice things and said some nice things. If I don't believe that there's a literal heaven and a literal hell, that there are actual places, and that my only hope uh, of avoiding hell is Jesus, right? I may not worship him. I might not. If I don't believe that Jesus loves me more than anybody else on the face of the planet, if I don't believe that, my, I probably won't worship him. My appraisal of him is going to be messed up. My worship of him will probably be non-existent, honestly. And one of the reasons as a pastor, and pastors do this everywhere, one of the reasons that we're always talking about, listen, get into God's word, right? Listen to God's word, read God's word, because it gives you a revelation of who God is. It tells you the quality of God. It gives you a list of all the benefits that come along being in Christ. And number three, right? It gives you an accurate description of God's love for you. It really does, and it'll change your appraisal of God. So today, I'm going to take you to the Bible. I'm going to take you to the theme verse for this VBS for the entire week for Adventure Quest. And if you got your Bible, you can go to John chapter 14, verse 1. We're going to start there. John chapter 14, verse 1. And this verse of Scripture, and really the theme verse for this week, is going to help us get an accurate appraisal of the one that we call King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Let me know when you're there. Say amen if you're there. Amen. Some of you are just going like, I've got to do is tilt my head. All right. John 14, 1. He says this, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. That where I go and where I am, there you may be also. Now, let me just give you a little context here. He's talking to his disciples. Jesus is giving one of those, uh, he's having one of those discussions with the disciples that's, I'm about ready to leave discussion. I don't know if you've ever had one of those with your kids, right? How many know when when your kids are younger and you're ready to leave the house or old enough to stay, you have a discussion with them? Like, all right, no friends are allowed over to the house. Uh, you're not allowed to get, do not make food. Please don't burn the house down, right? You know, you start having those kind of discussions. Jesus is getting ready to leave. He's getting ready to leave this earth. He's getting ready to, to die on the cross and be crucified and go back and ascend to heaven. And he's having a talk with his disciples. He's saying, I, there's some things you need to know, right? The, I'm going to prepare a place for you is one of them. The place I'm going to, there's many mansions. I'm going to bring you there. I'm going to come and receive you to myself. And where I am there, you may be also. And where I go, you know, and the way you know. This is one of those I'm leaving soon kind of talks. I love you. I care about you. You need to know some things here, right? And Thomas speaks up, who's one of the 12, one of his closest uh, 12 disciples. He says this in verse 5. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you're going. 
And how can we know the way? Jesus says, I'm leaving, I'm going somewhere. And Thomas is going, well, we really don't know where to go, right? We don't really know where you're going. How are we going to get there? And Jesus is about to tell him, it's not about a physical location. It's not about a map necessarily. He says to him in verse six, and this is the theme verse for this week. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He's getting ready to go to the Father. He's getting ready to send in heaven. He says, the only way to get there is me. I'm the map, right? I'm the key. I'm the tour guide. I'm the, I'm the ticket in. I'm the way. There's only one gatekeeper to heaven. That is Jesus, right? There's only one way you can get a ticket to eternal life. It's who? God, you got it right. All right, good job. All right, there's only one person who can provide a passage to God and uh, to the God of the universe, and that is Jesus. And he told him, I'm the way, I'm the truth, and the life. That's the only way you're getting there. Jesus is the only tour guide um, to heaven and to God himself. He's the only one. He's the sole passage. He's the only way in. He's, He's the only way we can get there. How valuable are you if you're the only one who can do something? How valuable are you? Where does your value go? If you're the only one that can keep people from destruction, if you're the only one that can get people to God, if you're the only one, let me ask you something. What's the value of that? It's incredible, right? Uh, you know, this, uh, this whole set set up on uh, the idea of Indiana Jones, right? I think it's P.A. Jones, right? Did I get that correct? Uh, for VBS, because we got copyright things we can't do, right? And, and, and it's really about navigating past the things that are destructive. If you've seen the movie, you know, Indiana Jones is almost always getting something thrown at him. He's almost always getting killed. And it's the map that he has. And it's, it's the guide that he has that gets him through. Jesus is the only way through. He's the only, how valuable is Christ if he's the only one? If you've ever seen something that is the only one, how many know the value goes from here to here? If you've got a car and it's the only car on the face of the earth, if you've got a piece of jewelry and it's one of a kind, if you've got anything that's one of a kind, it goes from here to here. Jesus is the only one. How much would you pay? For the only one who can keep you from hell, who can keep you from destruction, who can give you a life, how much would you pay? Thousands? Ten thousands? Millions? Maybe everything you've got, right? He's that kind of value. The disciples are starting to get it, right? I think, maybe for a second, right? Jesus is the only one. Jesus tell them, I'm it. This is, my value is infinite. And he doesn't just stop there. He says, there's much, much more. In, in verse two, Jesus told his disciples, or I'm backtracking a little bit, in my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. It, it's one thing, right, if you save somebody. It's one thing if you keep them from utter destruction, which is what Jesus does for our lives. It's another thing to say, I'm going to bring you to my house and keep you permanently at my house, right? Yep. Come on, it's true. I might save your life or you might save my life in a crisis situation. You might perform CPR. You, you might drag me out of, uh, of a pond from dra- drowning. You might save my life in some way. That's one thing. That's an amazing thing. But how many know it's another thing to drag me out and say, you know what? I want you just to come live with me forever. Right? Nope. Throw them back. Okay. Come on. <laughs> right? Really? That's what Jesus said. 
He's, I'm the way, the truth, and, and where I'm going, I, I got a place, and there's many mansions there. You know what he was saying? I'm going to my father's house. I'm going to the kingdom, and there's a lot of mansions there. By the way, my father is wealthy, okay? Beyond measure, wealthy. He's got mansions. He's got places. And, and not only am I the way, the truth, and the life, not only will I keep you from destruction, not only will I give you life, but I'm going to bring you with me, and we're going to go to my father's house. And you're going to stay with me there in a new kingdom. I'll be coming soon. I'm going to come back. He's telling the disciples, I'm, I'm going to come back and get you. To fully appreciate, to fully appreciate what Jesus says here, you got to know a little something about the Father's kingdom. Let me read you just a little passage out of Revelation 21, starting with verse 1. It says this, Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Also, there was no more sea. This is John the Revelator seeing heaven and seeing the new heaven and new earth. And then I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. And God himself will be with them and be their God, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, no sorrow, no crying. There will be no more pain for the former things, the things now, right, have passed away. And he who sat on the throne said, behold, I make all things new. And he said to him, right, for these words are true and faithful. And he said to him, it is done. I am the alpha and the omega. I am the beginning and I am the end. And I will give of the fountain of water of life freely to him who thirsts. No more pain, no more tears, no more sorrow, all things new. And oh yeah, by the way, the fountain of the water of life. Do you know what that is? That's the fountain of youth. How many of you want the fountain of youth? Amen? Yeah, everybody over 50 is like, amen, brother. All right? We want the fountain of youth. He, he says, you're going to get the fountain of youth. Now, people pay millions, millions to get the fountain of youth back, right? People pay big money to go in and get the line stretched a little. How many know you can get it stretched? Get it stretched out flat a little bit so you look a little younger. They'll pay millions. You're going to get the fountain of youth. You'll never age in that kingdom. You'll never get sore or you'll never have pain in that kingdom. There will be no sorrow in that kingdom. And he said, I, and then he goes on in verse seven and says a little more. He says, and he who overcomes shall inherit all things. He's having to talk with the disciples. He's telling them, look, this is the value of me being the way, the truth, and the life, right? He, he who comes shall inherit all things. That's a big deal when you're going into a kingdom of endless wealth. You inherit all things. How many like what you're hearing in this? How many know we have access to all this? Yeah. It's speaking to us. It sounds, like sounds pretty beneficial in Jesus, doesn't it? What's it worth to us, church? What's it worth to us? What is Jesus worth to us? And Jesus continues in his conversation. He doesn't end there. He keeps going. He throws something. Out. They're trying to get their head around just where he's going. And he's unloading all this on them. And he throws something else for them to grab a hold of. He says this in verse 7. If you had known me, you would have known my father also. And from now on, you know him and have seen him. But they're still not picking up what Jesus is putting down. They really are. They don't get it yet because Philip chimes in and says, Philip says to him, Lord, show us the Father and it is sufficient for us. I don't know if Jesus did eye rolls or not. You know, I don't know if he did like, one of those things. He just got done telling him, right? If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. 
If you've experienced me, you've experienced the Father. And Philip says, well, Lord, show us the Father. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. If, I, Jesus probably didn't do this because Jesus always had an answer. But I'd be like, I got nothing. I don't even know where to go from here. I don't even know what to say next, right? I don't know where to go. And Jesus goes on and he says to him, have I been with you so long and yet you have not known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father, so how can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am the Father and the Father in me? The words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does the works. Believe me that I am the fa- in the Father and the Father in me, or else believe me for the sake of the works themselves. Jesus explains, he's just like the Father. If you've seen Jesus, you've seen the Father. He's, and then he says something even more profound. How many of these just layers upon layers upon layers? He's just going back to him and saying, oh, you want to see the treasure? You want to see what this is worth in me? I'm just going to unfold a little bit for you. And they're trying to get their head around and they can't even get their head around it. They're trying to just keep up with what Jesus is saying. And 12, he says, most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. Boom. All right. And greater works than these will you do because I go to my Father and whatever you ask in my name, that I will do and that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I'll do it. I think the disciples were probably stunned. I think they quit talking at this point. Their minds are blown, right? They're trying to figure out where Jesus is going and he's just giving them like this is what it's worth. This is what it's worth. This is the value. Can you see the appraisal value on this? Do you see who I am, what I'm doing for you? And then he drops the bomb on him, right? You'll do the same things that I've done. They saw him heal. They saw him perform miracles. They watched him command the elements outside and the elements obeyed. They watched him do this. And he said, if you are in me, if you are asking for something, then it's in the Father's will and I'll be glorified for it. I'll do it. I think they started to understand just how valuable Jesus was to them in this moment. I think they started seeing his quality. I think they started understanding, uh, you know, who he was and the benefits that were in. That This is just a small portion of scripture about Christ. I think their appraisal value went from here to here, to here, to here. Anyone see his value this morning? Stunned, getting ready to close. John 14, 15 says this. I think Jesus figured, ah, I got their minds blown. I'm just going to go ahead and blow it the rest of the way. I'm going to pour on a little more. He says, if you love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another. Zach, if you'd come. That he may abide with you forever, the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, but it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he dwells with you and he will be in you. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. A little while longer and the world will see me no more. But you will see me because I live. You will also live. At that day, you will know that I am in the Father and you in me and I in you. He who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. And it is he who loves me will be loved by my Father and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Jesus was saying, I'll never leave you alone. I'm leaving, but I'm going to send the Holy Spirit back. And he gave a label to the Holy Spirit when he said that. He said, I'm going to send back the spirit of truth to you. I don't know if you understand 
will realize the infinite value of truth in your life. If you want to add another layer uh, uh, and, and you want your appraisal to go up, understand the value of truth in your life. Because if you know the truth, God's truth, if you know what he has spoke about you and about your future and about what he is going to do, if we understand that truth, you, it will blow your mind. It, it'll take you from a place of bondage to complete freedom. It'll move you into places that you never thought you would go if you understand the truth. And to understand the truth, you have to understand the power of a lie, Right? What can a lie do? It can destroy, right? It can rip people apart. A a lie um, can cause pain and and death to everything that it touches. It will rot your bones, a lie will. Satan is the father of lies. The word of God tells us that, right? And Jesus said, I'm going to send you the spirit of truth. And I'm going to give you something that that the world seeks and the world can't seem to find. I'm going to give you truth. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to open up. The, do you know that Jesus spoke the parables and he said, I'm going to unfold the mysteries of life to you? you? That's the mysteries of everything that's going on around you. The, he said, I'm going to unfold it and you're going to know the truth. How valuable is the truth? The truth will save your life. It will change your path, your trajectory in life. It, it'll launch you to places that you've never been before if you know the truth. I think the disciples sat stunned, stunned. How valuable is he? What's your appraisal of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords? Because if you understand what he's worth, you'll worship. We'll we'll worship, won't we? I'm going to ask you to stand. Jesus said, you'll know the truth and the truth will make you free. This is a two-part message. Understand what he is worth. What is he worth in your life? It is of infinite value. You cannot put a number on it. You don't have a high enough number to place on him. If you had to put a number on, and we put a number on everything. I don't know if you know that or not. We do. We, we automatically do that. We put, we put value on everything that we look at and everything that we grab a hold of. But if your value is messed up about the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, you you won't worship, you won't engage, you might do some religious activity, but you will not walk with the King of Kings. And I can assure you, the demand, you want your demand to go up, realize who he is. You know, Jesus said in, in, in the New Testament, he said this, and he he was really kind of giving a comparison in one place in the New Testament. He said, um, he said, you have to love me so much that, that it looks like you hate your parents, <laughs> right? Now that's pretty strong. I'm not going to go into all that. But he, what he was saying, he, and, and he tells you in another place you're supposed to love your parents. He wasn't contradicting himself. What he was saying was, he said that my, your love for me should be up here so high that everything else just kind of fades away. It looks so small compared to what your love is for me. Right? What's your appraisal? What's your appraisal? What's your appraisal? If we're going to be a body of believers who worship God, we come in here, we sing, that's praise, right? We use our lips. If you're going to live a life of worship, live a life. I'm talking about living a life of worship. If you're going to go through your week, each week just getting up like, man, I get to do this with Jesus. 
I get to walk with Jesus. I know the truth of what's going on around me. You should not get worried and shudder and, and, and feel destroyed because of what's taking place around you. You should know the truth of what's happening. The Word of God declares it, what's taking place right now, right? He didn't call us to a spirit of fear, right? Power, love, and a sound mind. It's true. What's it worth? What's it worth? I'm going to ask you to bow your heads. What's it worth? How many, how many of you want your appraisal value? How many of your, your appraisal value went up this morning just hearing his word? Just hearing the word of God, the appraisal value went up. Your faith began to rise. You, be, you began to start to see who he was. Some of, you got, some of you have been serving God a long time. You just got to go back like I did. And you got to see, you know, the disciples walked with him for three years. And, he's, and they couldn't even figure it out why he was explaining to them. What's he worth to you? What's he worth? Lord, we come. God, thankful, grateful. Lord, we're about ready to engage in some praise. God, we're going to lift up your name. And Lord, I pray, God, that just as we go today, just like we did last week, God, I don't do this often, but Lord, it was the same theme today. God, I pray, Lord, that our appraisal value is right. God, I pray, Lord, that we see who you are. And God, that we celebrate you and that we know who we are in you. And God, that we move forward in this. And God, I pray that there's a world that's watching, wondering what in the world is going on with those people. God, how are they walking in confidence? How are they walking in truth? How are they walking in joy and in peace? God, how are they walking in power? And God, we're going to declare to them, we know what Jesus is worth in our life. We know who he is. We know the quality. We know the benefits. We know all things. And our love, and he's of great demand in our lives. Lord, we thank you and we give you praise. We lift up your name, God, right now in our hearts. God, we worship you as we pray. God, we speak the name of Jesus. Would you just say the name of Jesus? Just say it. You say it on your mouth. Come on, just say it, Jesus. Amen. Recognize who he is. We love you, Lord, and we thank you in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And amen. Amen. One of the important things about praise is not that you just come in here and sing, but that you speak out and you believe what you're singing. Amen. Praise kind of falls to the ground, you know, and you can praise God. You don't have to sing to praise God, right? Some of you like, I can't sing, all right? You just speak, you just talk to them. You can give praise to anybody, but that's worship, putting God first. One of, this is just one way we do this, but I want you just to sing to him. Sing to him. Sing it out to him. If you really believe what I spoke this morning about what he's worth, all right? Canvas and clay, sing that chorus. You make all things. You make all things work together for my future and for my good. You make all things work together for your glory and for Work together for my future and for my good. You make all things work together for your glory and for your name. And we cry holy. 
God spoke something to me before I ever got up here while worship was taking place. And he spoke this into my spirit. And I believe this is for multiple people here and you need to listen to what I'm saying. Some of you need prayer this morning. And I'm not just talking about a general prayer. I'm talking about individual prayer. And I'm going to ask that the prayer team would make their way to the back. I'm going to be back here in a few minutes. But you need individual prayer for something. And, and if that's you, you're getting tugged right now. Holy Spirit's prompting you. It could be anything at all. Um, sometimes we need to come together and we need to Word of God says it talks about two or three gathering in his name. He's there. And, and there's way more than that here. But sometimes we need to come and we need to pray about something specific so God brings a specific answer. We call upon him, right? If we really believe what I just preached, we call on the one who can change things. We call on the one who can shift things, the one who can heal things. And if that's you here this morning, I'm going to ask you to do something different. I'm going to ask you to step out and go back to the prayer team. I'm going to make my way back there. Pastor Eric's coming. He's going to give an opportunity for anybody that maybe doesn't know Jesus this morning. He's going to pray with them. But if that's you, do not wait. God has something for you. He called it out specifically this morning. Don't wait. Don't waste time. Just make your way to the back right now. If you need prayer, if the Holy Spirit's tugging on you, all right? That's that little nudge, by the way. If you don't know what a tug, Holy Spirit tug or nudge is, it's that little thing he does to you, and you know it's you, right? You know that you need prayer. Buy something. Make your way to the back, all right? Pastor Eric. Thank you for tuning in to this message from Lifehouse Church. We pray that you were impacted powerfully by this message. If you have been personally affected by our ministry and you would like to partner with us as we love God, love people every day, visit our website at www.lifehousecog.com.